Misses the throw, pocket collapses, he backpedals, pumps once, sidesteps the tackler, runs to the right, 15th, pumps, fires, end zone, caught, touchdown! Don't forget about the Ravens. This is a team that has Lamar Jackson Great. going into a big season contract-wise and a bunch of guys who want to prove that last year was an aberration. It was not what they are. Um, I really only got one message right now for all the questions, you know what I'm saying? So every question is going to come after this as respectfully as I can say as possible. Just watch how we bounce back. That's all I got to say. I hit the booth and I just went super saying I run with the purple like I play with the Ravens. These bitches ran a Raven. Hope I never have to go back watching. Everybody loves Raymond eating Raymond. Nigga, this paradise. Life's a fucking paradox at paradise. If they not rolling with you, then they parasites. Nigga, I had that vision. It was clear in sight. Nigga, shine down. Hey, what's up, my people? It's a good week to be a Raven. Coming off that big win with the Steelers, gotta love it. No matter how it is, no matter how it looks, no matter how ugly or pretty it is, it's a win against them Steelers, so we'll take it. You know what I'm saying? Welcome to another episode of Ravens Universe, hosted by myself. I'm excited for this one. We're going to talk a little bit of Steelers, and then get into the Browns and Ravens Part 2 Recap. By Part 2, I'm talking about second time playing them. But anyway, Ravens come through with a big win. And in my opinion, that was the biggest win of the season so far. I mean, the amount of adversity those guys went through that game. Already down Lamar. Going against a rugged, tough, physical Steelers defense. And... Lamar, I mean, not Lamar, Tyler Huntley gets the start. He ends up getting a getting injured and going out the game with due to concussion protocol. Anthony Brown comes in, undrafted rookie. Never had a game in the NFL, never had a snap in the NFL besides preseason. And he comes in and does enough to keep this offense going. And we get away with the uh get away with the win. 16-14, close game. Let's get into it a little bit. Going over the team stats, Ravens sitting pretty at 9-4, and four, still on top of the AFC North with the Bengals closely behind. And, I mean, it's inev- it's inevitable, guys. It's going to come down to that Week 18 game versus Cincinnati. And whoever wins that is going to get the AFC North. I am unless, unless we can beat the Steelers and Browns again, possibly. Um, But the other thing, too, is with this team is I believe they just need one more win, and they're basically going to make it to the playoffs. But we'll see. All right, so team stats. Time of possession, the Ravens had 33 minutes versus the Steelers, who had 27. Ravens had 61 offensive plays. Steelers had 53. We had 309 offensive yards. They had – let me fix my mic real quick. They had 329, so they had more offensive yards than we do. They had more yards per play by a yard. We had five penalties for 46 yards. They had two for 15. So let's talk about that real quick. The Steelers always seem to get these BS calls all the time. I mean, that call on Justin Matabike for roughing the passer, what's a guy supposed to do? He hit him perfectly, had his head to the side, Shoulders in his gut, no helmet-to-helmet contact, and they still called on him because he drove him into the ground. When you're hitting the guy square on, 
how are you supposed to roll off of him before he gets on the ground? Like, I just don't know what these defensive players are supposed to do as far, especially when it comes to sacking a quarterback. It's getting ridiculous. It's getting out of hand. It's ruining the game. It's it's making differences in games. On top of that, a lot of bad calls uh, from this this referee crew this week was absolutely piss poor. Steeler, I mean, Ravens had a lot of bad calls on them. There's even a call where they called a defensive pass interference or holding a Marlon Humphrey. There's two flags on the play. So pissed about that. And then on top of that, they go, oh, and let's end an offensive pass interference that they cancel out. Obviously, that was in our favor, but that was a BS call regardless of which team you're rooting for. If I'm the Steelers, I'm pissed about that one because, all right, sweet, they called defensive pass interference, and then late they just – all of a sudden throw out an offensive pass interference to cancel it out too. Bizarre. Referees need to do better. This is absolutely ridiculous. I feel like I have to talk about this every week. But also, the Steelers have the largest favored penalties in like the last like 10 or 15 years or something. It's absolutely insane. They're averaging like a 17-yard advantage over teams per game over the last, like, 15 seasons or whatever. And just so you guys know, I believe they talked about this on the uh, Baltimore Beatdown podcast. I don't have exact numbers, so I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. But they were saying how they have an average advantage when it comes to penalties called in a game by 17 yards. So it may not seem like a lot, but just to put in perspective, the second team with the largest advantage is only at 11 yards. So it's not even close. So there's some sort of back alley deal that the NFL has with these steel. I don't know. I'm going into conspiracies. But anyway, let's keep this thing going. Field goals, Jay Tuck was 3-for-3. Obviously, the Steelers were 0-for-1 with that block on Calais Campbell, which I'm going to talk about here shortly. The turnovers, we had zero turnovers. Steelers had three, and what I tell you guys, during this game preview, I said turnovers are going to be what's, what wins us this game. If we can get turnovers, we'll win this game, and look what happened. All right, let's see. Passing yards, we had 94. They had 264. Um, Rushing, we had 215 rushing yards. Absolutely incredible job by the running backs and the offensive line. They had 65, so this defense... This rush defense, which I believe is ranked second in the league right now, is really stepping up. We averaged 5.1 yards per carry to their 3.2. We had 18 first downs. They had 23. We were 4 for 13 on third down, so still terrible. That's 31%. They were 4 for 8 for 50% for those that uh, can do that easy math. I like the 4 for 8. Fourth down, we were 1 for 2. They didn't attempt 1. In the red zone, we were 1 for 3 at 33%. They were 2 for 4 at 50%. Sacks, we had two. They had two. And, yeah, that's it. So, let's go into this box score. It's the second. Tyler Huntley was putting together, like, a, you know, for the brief time he was out there, a decent game. He was 8 for 12 for 88 yards. And then Mitch Trubinsky ended up going 22 for 30 for 276 yards, one touchdown, and a hat trick for interceptions, baby. Rushing. All right. I want... Let's see. 
I want, let's go J.K. Dobbins. He had 15, there we go, 15 carries for 120 yards and one touchdown, along a 44, averaging eight yards per carry. J.K.'s back, baby. What a difference maker that guy is. Having him and Gus in the backfield tandem is, it's, ah, it's just something you, you take for granted, and then you don't know how good you got till it's gone. We've been dealing with these veteran and random ass running backs in our backfield due to injuries the last two seasons. And look at this now, baby. This is what this team's been missing. Look how, look at how ex- more explosive and consistent this running game is with these guys in there. So Dobbins had 120. Tyler Huntley had nine carries for 31 yards. Gus Edwards had 13 for 66, 5.1. Yards per carry. Najee Harris had 12 carries for 33 yards. He got lucky, got a touchdown. Otherwise, that game isn't anything. No one else did anything for them. Benny Snell had two for four yards. Jalen Warren had three carries for 11 yards. Receiving Demarcus Robinson once again led the team. Six targets, five catches, 52 yards. Deshaun Jackson had two catches for 34 yards. Mark Andrews had two for 17 Devin DuVernay, none. So, once again, do better, Greg Roman. Get Devin DuVernay the ball. He only had one target. So, they only threw the ball to him one time. Despicable. Deontay Johnson. And let's be honest, guys. We're not winning playoff games with receiving numbers like this. 94 receiving yards. I mean, with this poor receiving core that we have, look what's happening to Mark Andrews. When Devin DuVernay is not getting attention without a Hollywood Brown not getting attention without a Rashad Bateman without getting any attention. It's so easy for guys to key on Mark Andrews and just shut him down because they're not there's no other opposing threats in this receiving core. I mean he's had the most quiet six weeks of his entire career. Just these games where he has one or two catches for X amount of yards. It's bad. It's it's he was targeted six times. So it's not like they weren't trying to give him the ball, but two catches, 17 yards. Got to do better than that. For the Stillers, Deontay Johnson led them with six catches for 82 yards. Najee Harris had 17 receiving yards. Pat Fryermuth had 33 yards. George Pickens had three catches for 78 yards. Obviously, one coming off a 42-yard play. And that's really all we're talking about. For the defense, a lot of guys uh, led the team t- uh, tackles this week. Marlon Humphrey, Chuck Clark, Roquan Smith, and Pat Queen all had six tackles. Marlon Humphrey had five solo tackles. Now, granted, that was because he was kind of put on island and he got exposed a little bit this week. But, hey, he's been playing at an all-pro level. If he's not a pro bowler this year, I don't know. It's 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 grand theft auto. It's a robbery. And so him having one bad game, and to be honest, he had good coverage and on most of those. It's just good balls or better catches. Um, sacks. Roquan Smith had a sack. Tyus Bowser had a big sack. And then interceptions. Let's talk about these. Marcus Williams with that beautiful interception going into the end zone. He looked like more of the receiver than he than the safety. He looked like it looked like that ball was thrown and meant for him to catch it. It was a beautiful catch. You don't see DBs or safeties be able to make plays on the ball like that or track that ball that well. So he's he's just built different. Comes back first game, immediately makes a difference. Has an interception. P- 
picking up right off where he left up left off. I mean, I think he's got four interceptions in like five games played or something like that. Absolutely unreal. And then obviously let's talk about our linebacker duo. Roquan Smith and Pat Queen getting very similar interceptions in the red zone. I mean, the the timing of these interceptions were huge. The Steelers seem to start getting momentum going down the field. They get in the red zone. And then trying to force on both plays, trying to force a ball to Pat Fryermuth. The first one, Roquan Smith, drops back into coverage into the right side. Sees Fryermuth come across the middle, cuts underneath of it, jumps up, catches it, has a decent return. And then the second one with uh, Patrick Queen making a very athletic play. Caught the ball with the hands up at the high point. Pat Fryermuth going down a little streak there, and he just cuts underneath of it, trails the tight end because he know he has he has top over he has help over the top. So great play. When you have plays like that, you typically want to sandwich a player, especially going up the middle. So you got Queen. He's in his zone, so but he knows he has help behind him so he doesn't have to fully commit to someone just in case another receiver crosses underneath or comes into his zone he knows there's someone back there to cover Fryermuth. Trubinsky tries to make a play guy in the back of Fryermuth. Pat Queen knows he can try and make a play and if he doesn't there's someone behind there anyway boom catches it blouses so good good play by those guys um this linebacker duo there's just something I mean Patrick Queen's been on another level since Roquan Smith came here. I talked about this before, but I just want to hit it again. These guys are turning into the second half of the season into one of the better linebacker duos in the NFL. I think it just takes so much pressure off of Patrick Queen because you got an all-pro guy next to you. So it's like, all right, I don't have to do everything. I mean, Patrick Queen's never had an above-average linebacker next to him. He's came in fresh into the league, and he was expected to be the guy from the get-go. And he took criticism, some of it rightfully so, some of it probably not so much. But Roquan Smith, obviously adding in an all-pro, is going to improve that defense, improve improve the linebacking room. But the two of them play so well together. I mean, Patrick Queen's able to just use his athletic ability and fly around like a maniac because Roquan Smith... It's kind of, I think, the more mental, meant like uh, mental player. Like he, he, he's smarter about knowing. Like he, he's been in the league for a little bit longer, so he has better instincts. But he's able to make up for anything that Queen lacks. So, for example, Patrick Queen comes busting through the line on a blitz, on a delayed blitz, gets his hands wrapped around Trubinsky. Oh, not Trubinsky. Gets his hands wrapped around um, young blood rookie Kyle Pickett. Looks like it's a for sure sack. Just kind of overcommits a little bit. His momentum carries. Pickett's able to escape. And then, boom, Roquan Smith is there to clean it up. And that's actually the play that Kyle Pickett got, uh, I guess, a concussion on and was uh, taken out of the game. So those guys are great. I just want to shout out to them again. It's really fun watching those two linebackers do their things. They complement each other very well. And, I mean, this defense is finally constructed I mean we've always had playmakers but in today's NFL you want the spine of the like the strength of defenses especially against offenses these days or the spine of the defense so what do I mean by the spine of the defense 
You got your inside rushing, uh, your D tackles, right? Strong D tackles that can get pressure up the middle on pass plays and also be run blockers, okay? So, for example, on a pass play, um, you got your DNs that are always coming from around the side, right? Unless they're dropping back in coverage or doing some sort of blitz or a stunt back to the middle, okay? However, when you have D tackles that can get pressure up the middle, what happens when a quarterback sees the DNs coming around the sides, they're forced to step up in the pocket. If those D tackles create um, create pressure up the middle, there's nowhere for that quarterback to go. Pocket collapses, and DNs often can clean up on that, or the D tackles can get in. All right, spine of the defense. From where the ball is, it goes right up the middle, okay? Next up is linebackers, right? Boom, check those off. I already talked about them. I'm not going to hit any more. And then... Most of the time, you're going to see Ravens in cover two, so you're looking at two safeties in the back. That's the middle of the field. And right now, we got guys like Chuck Clark and um, Marcus Williams. Both have very different playing styles. Chuck Clark, more in the box, more of a uh, like run defender. He His his skills aren't anywhere near as good as Marcus Peters, Marcus Williams is, as far as like tracking, ball hawk making plays on the ball, being able to catch the damn ball. So they complement each other really well. And then as you spread out, you got your DNs and everything. But the spine of the defense is the strength of the defense. And the Ravens, I think, have one of the stronger spines in the NFL at this point. Um, what else do I want to talk about that game? That's really it. Oh, let's talk about the... Uh, I want to talk about Clayus Campbell. So this it's kind of went under the radar, but... That blocked field goal ended up being a game-winning play. Think about it. It's 16-14 with the dub. If they were, I mean, that was kind of like a chip shot. It wasn't a difficult one. And I, I would think that he's going to make that kick probably 10 out of 10 times unless it gets blocked. And Clayus Campbell's able to use his huge 6-8, 6-9 frame, jump up and get a hand, just enough hand on the ball to stop it. And... If he doesn't do that, say everything goes, say the game goes exactly the way it did. I mean, you're looking at a 17-16 loss. Completely different outcome. You see him over on the sideline when they start when the Steelers, I guess, when it's in the end, when the fourth quarter comes in, they start playing Renegade and all the terrible towels and butt wipes, or I mean, terrible towels come out and they start flinging them around. Calais Campbell and the whole just starts grabs his towel and looking right at. All the Steelers fans saying, we want that smoke. We want that smoke. The whole defense is doing it. That was awesome. You haven't seen. I think this game was the closest thing to like the old Steelers-Ravens rivalries that we're used to. They've been kind of kind of uh, relaxed. Or not relaxed, but just not as much fire and passion, I think, in previous seasons. This game, from the get-go, people were getting smacked. Devin DuVernay's returning kicks and trucking people and doing the little man hand symbol. I mean, they're talking smack. Miles Jack's getting jacked up every freaking play. I actually, I absolutely love it. That was a great, fun game to watch, and I love seeing both teams just kind of show little fear. You know, they were fierce. There was angst. There was, you know, the Ravens had a huge, huge motivation right so they were saying hey you're not raving until you beat the Steelers so for some of these players that have only been here for two seasons 
they're not even considering themselves Ravens. I think that's an awesome, awesome tradition. And that's what they're all talking about in their press conferences, their post-game press conferences all week long. So to beat them in Pittsburgh is freaking awesome. Love to see it. Good win there, guys. And shout out to Clayus Campbell, who's like 47 years old and still making a huge difference in ball games. All right. Let's get into the Browns versus Baltimore. In Cleveland, this game's Saturday at 4.30. Kind of weird, but uh, I guess it's that time of the year where we start seeing that. So let's go to the Browns' deep. Let's start with their offense. They have the the sexual assault assassin himself, Deshaun Watson. First off, the fact this guy's still in the NFL is despicable. And, of course, an organization like the Browns, who are also despicable, and a complete dumpster fire of an organization, pay him the largest contract in NFL history after not playing for two seasons and having 26 sexual assault cases under his name. Good on you, Browns. I hope that you have no success. I hope Watson has no success. He's not looking great. I hope he continues to look terrible, and I hope you waste all of your money on him and you guys just crawl back down to that pit that you came from and never come back out. Okay, now let's go over their lineup. They have the quarterback, Deshaun Watson. He is the touchy-feely boy. In the backfield, they have Nick Chubb, absolute animal. Love the guy. Hate that he's a Brown, but I love him. Love watching him, except for when we have to play him because he just our guys just bounce off of him and can't tackle. He has an 89.8 PFF grade, which is insanely high. Let's go to the receiving core. They Obviously, they got Amari Cooper. Came here this year. Um, he's actually kind of having a, I mean, he's a top 20 receiver. Just this team's just kind of been under the radar this year. So I don't think he's getting a lot of, um, limelight. I don't really know. I guess that's the best word right now. Attention. He's not getting a lot of attention, but he's ranked 19th out of all receivers in the NFL. And then, uh, they got Donovan Peoples Jones, who's been here for a while and, to be honest, I think he's a pretty decent receiver. I thought he was garbage at first, but he's kind of the last two seasons or so, he's kind of coming to his own, and he seems to be doing pretty well. So props to him, uh, just not against us. Uh, Mark Cooper, he's got 106 targets. He's got 63 catches, 874 yards. So, I mean, he's probably looking at a 1,000-yard receiving year. It's kind of crazy. He's got seven receiving touchdowns. I mean, talk about it. Talk about it. Mari Cooper just, guy's so good. He's so good. And then let's go to Donovan Peoples-Jones. Peoples-Jones. Kind of a weird name. I wonder what that, what that's all about. Anyway, he's got 53 catches for 751 yards. He's got one receiving touchdown. Only two drops, so he's got good hands, guys. And he's got 14.2 yards per reception. He's a guy that makes a lot of sideline catches, back shoulders, um, jump balls, Things like that. I don't think he's really going to beat you with speed, like going across the middle and not running guys. But uh, Mark Cooper, I mean, this receiver tandem's not bad. I mean, it's better than anything that the Ravens clearly have. Um, and I just, I mean, 
both these receivers could potentially, with five games left, could have they could have two thousand yard receivers, which is kind of crazy. All right, so ooh, let's go to. Sorry, I didn't talk about Ch- Chubb's um, stats. I would like to see these. So he is. He's got 1,153 rushing yards, 12 rushing touchdowns. He's got 172 receiving yards. He's only had one lost fumble, 68 missed tackles, 36 explosive runs of 10 or more yards. Yards after contact per attempt is 3.5. So after the point that he gets touched, he's averaging another 3.5 yards after that. That's crazy, guys. I don't think if you got like, that's crazy. Three and a half yards doesn't seem like a lot, but that's saying, say he runs four yards and then someone tries to, someone makes an attempt to tackle him or uh, makes contact with him, he's then getting another three and a half yards. If he gets stopped at the line, that's three and a half yards after, like, that's crazy. He's their workhorse. He sets up their play action. Remember... What I said uh, when we played them, I'm sure you don't remember, but I'll I'll kind of repeat myself. These guys run the ball on first down like 94% of the time. And then that always sets them up for, at some point during the game, a huge play action. It happened against us. I said, hey, watch out for a play action on first down because these guys run the ball 90% of the time. Guys get, guys get in a, like, in a, and the trance kind of like, oh, it's first down, they're going to run. Yep, they run. Oh, it's first down again, they run. Yep, they run. Oh, they're going to run. And then all of a sudden, boom, you get a little complacent. You start cheating a little bit. And then your man's behind you. Hand down, man down. Someone's scoring touchdowns. All right. So, that's that. Let's talk about their, uh, let's talk about their defense, which is a very good unit. This is the only reason this team is really staying in games is their defense. I mean, their defense scored three touchdowns two weeks ago, two or three weeks ago. I think this offense has only scored one touchdown since Deshaun Watson has actually been back. So, let's talk about it. Uh, their 2D tackles, nothing to write home about. I'm not even going to bother talking about them. Number 96 is Elliott. He's got a 36.2 grade. Number 99 is Bryant. He's got a 52. Um, I, what I want to talk about are the stars of the show. And that's um, uh, Jadavion Clowney, who's their right defensive end. He's got one forced fumble. He's got three sacks. Uh, only one QB hit. I know he's had injury issues this year. Um, and then the man of the hour, the man of the game, the guy you're going to want to watch all day long. Is Miles Garrett another guy? Love him. Hate that he's a Brown. Hate that we have to go against him twice a year and he wrecks our O line. But we got Ronnie Stanley back. Ronnie Stanley historically has had pretty good success against this guy as as far as keeping him in, keeping him under wraps and not allowing him to just be a game breaker. I mean, he's gonna get his, but if you can pre- prevent him from like winning games, then. I mean, you can't ask for much more. But anyway, he's got 13 sacks. He's got 58 pressures, 7 QB hits, 38 QB hurries, 2 forced fumbles, 15 solo tackles. So, 
especially on um especially on pass rushes i mean we gotta we gotta bring our game i trust the i'm starting to trust this o-line they're doing a really good job recently so i'm i'm cool with that but um they just gotta keep it up this gonna be a this gonna be a test it really is and then let's talk about their uh their corners so they got denzel ward who's uh let's see who has been pretty good but he's having a pretty down season honestly this uh this year not doing much i mean he's got one interception no forced fumbles no sacks 34 tackles yeah i mean nothing great there nothing to report on that end of things but greg newsom the second he's a hmm I think he this is his second season. Pretty decent pretty decent player, especially on man to man. I mean he's got he's got a sack. He's got no force fumbles, no interceptions, um passer rating. So okay. So he, I mean the thing with these corners, they're aggressive, kind of similar to our corners, but uh they don't take chances, really. What I mean aggressive is they like to get handsy, but they're not trying to jump routes and everything. So if we can just keep our receivers in front of them, I think we got a good, you know, a good chance of completing some balls here. And then they got Grant Delpit, who is annoying as shit. Um, Devin Duvernay is his daddy. Just go back to um, Texas. I'm not going to say anything more, but uh, there was a particular play where uh, Duvernay may or may have not absolutely trucked him into another dimension little manned him so from that point on i believe grant delpit is referred to as devin duvernay's son yeah anyway he's got 58 tackles he's got one interception 21 stops yada 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 pretty good safety i'm not gonna hate he's actually a pretty decent safety um oh so that's the defense oh well their base is a 4-3, all right? So they typically play with three linebackers, and I think that's smart because, especially against the Ravens, I mean, I'm sure they don't do it just because of the Ravens, but that extra linebacker where you're able to use the Sam or the Will, depending on what they're lining up in, as kind of like that QB spy or a guy that shadows a quarterback, especially if he's a rushing quarterback or a running quarterback, that's big. So you can keep two guys either blitzing or going to pass or zone coverage, Meanwhile, one guy's just keeping his eye on Lamar, which not playing this week, but you get it. Keep an eye on the quarterback, and if he sees that quarterback take off, that's his man. And then if he, if the quarterback ends up dumping off the running back, that guy is able to just switch from quarterback to running back, try and make a play. And if nothing's happened at all, he just keeps getting depth, and you have additional guy in pass coverage in the middle. So... I'm not even going to try and make a prediction on what this offense can do this defense because I don't know. Our offense is just so inconsistent. Like, we have one great game and then we don't. Like, Greg Roman should 100% be fired and then he comes back, like, the next week or two weeks later like he did this past week in Steelers and just draws up a phenomenal game plan and his play calling was outstanding. So that's annoying. Don't know what to do about that, but... I guess I'm here for it. I don't. I don't know. Fire Greg Roman. <clears throat> so I think 
when it comes to like these in like I want I'm curious what the injury report is for this week. I wonder if it'll tell me cuz Mm, here we go. So right now, Lamar is definitely out. Um, Morgan Moses is questionable. I'm assuming he's fine, though, because he seemed okay. I think we're going to get Zeitler back this week as well. For the Browns, that's really it on our injury report from what I'm seeing. That's uh, that's impressive. Now for the Browns, let's see if they got anyone substantial. Man. No, so looking like we got two teams that are fairly um two teams that are fairly healthy right now. You know, knock on wood. I mean, I'd love to see David Ajabo get some snaps. I don't know what the hell's going on with him. But who knows? And my prediction for this game is I mean it's tough. It's I'm I'm really on the fence with this one. I mean, I feel like I say that every week, but you guys get it. It's the Ravens, so you can't be too overconfident and then Go to the game and just get your absolute hopes and dreams demolished. So I'm kind of done with those days. I like going in, expecting them to lose, and then uh, just being like pleasantly surprised when they pull it out. But my only quarrels with this game is that, one, no Lamar, obviously. And then also, if Huntley doesn't learn to protect himself, he's going to keep getting injured. And then... Like, who knows what Anthony Brown is? He only had three pass attempts that game last week. So, and also, we just need to be able to run the ball again. Like I said, I'm starting to trust this offensive line. Knock on every piece of wood in my damn house. But this offensive line has stayed pretty healthy all year long, which helps in in these guys knowing how to work together and chemistry and things like that. So, I think they can get the job done running the ball. I think they do. However, this is a good defense. This is a good run defense. It's I don't I don't think we're rushing for 200 plus yards. I think it'll be closer to like maybe 120 to 150 yards. And if it's over that, then boom, we probably win the game. But ah oh man, it's tough. I think our defense can hold off their offense unless Deshaun Watson just randomly gets hot. So that that'd be that that would be weird, but it'd be kind of like on par of what happens to the Ravens. Trevor Lawrence all of a sudden has a career day. Mitch Trubinsky comes in, starts slinging the ball. I mean, three interceptions, but he was slinging the rock. You guys can't you guys can't deny that. Tua just had a career day roasting us earlier in the season. So I think. I'm going to go Ravens win. I don't like... It's tough because it's tough getting two division wins against the same team in a season. But I think this is it. And I think the Ravens win this one 17-13. to 17-13. 17 I think we're... I think we're able to get two touchdowns this game for the first time in a while. And... Justin Tucker, who's now the all-time Ravens leading scorer. Love that he did in Pittsburgh against those Pittsburgh butt pirates. That was awesome. I think we won this one 17-10 or like a 17-13. I'm going to go 17-13. And I wouldn't be surprised if 
maybe this offense gets a couple more points. I think we're going to – the only thing is with that score is I think we're gonna, probably going to have – potentially could have like a three to four field goal kind of day where we get into their side of the field and then we kind of stall out or just not able to run – you know, you can only run – in my opinion, you can only run the ball for so long and then they're finally going to stop it. I know sometimes that's not the case, but this is a good defense. I don't expect us to like – rely on running the ball for 90% of our plays like last week. Like, we're going to need to pass the ball this game. It, we're going to have some third and longs. We're going to have third downs where after some point, we're going to have to pass the ball. And then what happens there? So, I'm going to go with... Um, I'm going to go with 19... 13 actually I think we get a touchdown I think we get I think we go like two or three field goals in the first half for like nine points or something and then we get a touchdown to get to like 16 points and then we end up I think it's gonna be like yeah I, th- I think that's a pretty accurate I think it's gonna be 19 19 13 with a field goal and a touchdown for the Browns so that's what I got but otherwise, i super happy this week. I mean, that was a great win. And if we win this one too, that's huge. I mean, to go 4-0 in the division would be absurd and would give us a huge advantage as far as winning this division. Because I don't know what's... I think Cincinnati's like 3-2-3 and, uh, and three or something like that. Hmm, I wonder. But anyway, um I just I, I don't see us beating the Bengals on that last week of the season, which is bound to be a primetime game. It says TBD. They're gonna flex that to a Sunday night football game. And who knows if we beat the Steelers again. Maybe Lamar's back, maybe he's not. I think we get a win over the Falcons. I think we get a win this weekend, and we definitely, and we get, I don't want to say definitely, but I feel best predicting a win this week and then a win against the Falcons, getting us to 11 wins. And then maybe we beat the Pittsburgh Steelers again. Maybe we don't. I don't think we beat the Bengals. They're getting super hot. So I think we're going to see this team with like an 11 6 record. I think that's a pretty fair call. And then maybe at best a 12 5. 12 5 would be awesome. Like what a roller coaster what a roller coaster of a season it's been, y'all. It's been crazy, but hey, right now we're on the up. It's another win against Pittsburgh. Hopefully we get another win against Cleveland. And I mean, this team's in a good spot, guys. We're sitting at nine and four. The four games we lost, we gave the other team wins. We've been in every game, no matter what the scenario is, no matter what the situation is, no matter what injuries we have. And you, there's one thing about this team is they don't get blown out. Knock on wood. But they don't get blown out. They always stay in the game. And that's good and bad. But at least you got a team that's always in the game and always has a chance to win at the end of the day. So it takes years off your life. But, I mean, that's what you signed up for, I guess, being a Baltimore Ravens fan. Hashtag Ravens flock. Hashtag high blood pressures. Hashtag, oh, they should do, they should do a study to see which fans have the highest blood pressure. That would be kind of interesting. But um, 
that's all I got for tonight, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope uh, you learned something. I hope you guys pay attention to some of the things we talked about tonight and kind of pay uh, watch for it in the game on Saturday. Let's go Ravens. Let's beat these Browns. Let's beat that Deshaun Watson sexual assault assassin and send send these guys home with their tails between their legs with no shot to win a division, with no shot to make the playoffs. And let's move on to the next game. But most importantly, another win in division means we're that much closer to being AFC North champs again and making the playoffs. Let's get a home playoff game in Baltimore again, baby. Let's freaking do it. All right, y'all. I'm amped. It's 9.52 at night. Never going to be able to fall asleep tonight. Thanks a lot. I'm out of here. Peace. Let's go Ravens win.